Champions, champions, ole, ole, ole. <laughs> this is a championship edition of Come On You Reds. My Who God. Who are you? Who are you? That's what we were saying to the Seattle Sounders about 10 days ago. But Toronto FC, your 2017 MLS Cup champions. Uh, this is Come On You Reds, Gareth Wheeler and Terry Dunfield from afar. And just to bring our listeners up to speed. Yes, we know it's taken 10 days later for this podcast to come out. And I haven't even talked about the game with Terry because he literally, after being part of the TSN broadcast, got the heck out of Dodge, went to the airport, flew out, and has been in Calgary ever since doing his A coaching license. What's going on, Terry Dunfield? Not much. I thought it would be best we would let Josie sober up a little bit as well before we crack on. Uh, Do you think he has sobered up? I uh, I hope not. The lads deserve to put their hair down, and they've been so professional all season. So it's uh, great to see them embracing it, and they've worked so hard for this. Uh, on my front, been been working my socks off, 7.30 to 10 for, for eight days on the coaching A-license course over here in Canada with a couple other academy coaches from TFC, John Mondino, Anthony Capitosto. So uh, all good, just embraced in soccer. Are you now best mates with John Herdman? I am. It's funny you should say that. It's the first time uh, we've met each other in passing, but really had a chance to get to know each other and uh great guy we yeah, great guy watching him operate on the pitch to uh really knows his stuff has a clear identity and uh he's really doing uh some amazing things uh with, with the women's team huge understatement but uh he was top drawer unfortunately miss jason devos present had to nip back for for a couple of days for a few epl shows but apparently he was very good as well hey terry who wears tighter shirts john herdman or me <laughs> no, man, pretty close. He actually it's Stoit. Yeah, uh, from Newcastle and uh yeah, just doing some awesome things on the women's side. I've talked to him about this. Jordy Shore, we're both a fan. He won't admit oh, it. Dude, I will. That's the difference. Better than you're better than that. No, uh trust me, I am not. <laughs> uh over the course of this episode, this championship edition, we're gonna reflect back on the season that was the MLS Cup final the party that ensued after, how Toronto FC got to this point. Uh, and the offseason has already started. Drew Moore in, Raheem Edwards out, and TFC now knows their CONCACAF Champions League opponent. Oh, yeah, and a special high five, Terry Dunfield's favorite favorite part of this podcast. Love it. Love it. You're good. Am, I, am I missing anything? Or is that it? No, no, that's. Uh, is that it? We're still going in December. How cool is that? No kidding. Uh, at Wheeler TSN at Terry underscore Dunfield on Twitter. So let's flash back. It'll be a day that will be always remembered by Toronto FC faithful. December 9th, 2017. Remember in the buildup, all that talk about the weather? It was picture perfect. It wasn't windy. It was actually a lovely early December day, just about as best as you could look for. And the city was buzzing, Terry. I know that the the whatever the ten days between you know Eastern Conference Championship and the Cup Final leaves a lot of time, but people were ready for it, man. Yeah, big time, and and a lot was read into the to the press conferences and and the players speaking and, and the how casual Seattle were and how professional and then were TFC a little bit uptight and the pressure was on TFC. 
was almost like a boxing bout. So much was read into it, the weather as well. And uh, with all due respect to, to Seattle, TFC got everything spot on in the preparation leading up to the final. I, I never bought that TFC was nervous or, or anything like that. They just wanted to play. Like, they honestly, on, they, they said everything that needed to be said. In fairness, if I'm Josie Altador, I don't feel like talking to the American media. Many of these individuals were bashing them relentlessly for months after the U.S. men's national team, whatever, whatever went on there. I didn't read into that at all. And I thought Toronto FC were up for it, even though a lot of pundits were picking the Seattle Sounders to win the MLS Cup. I was not one of those, as you yeah, heard you right here on Come On You Reds. Full credit to you. We have a lot of the the, the press and, and people that follow, followed the team for a long, long time were, were questioning TFC a little bit, and possibly that was due to TFC's form in the playoffs, and, and they didn't have an easy route getting there. It was a dogfight against Columbus, uh, sorry, against the Red Bulls and against Columbus. It was a tactical battle. We hadn't seen the free-flowing TFC that we've seen all season, and Seattle were playing some good stuff, let's be honest, coming coming out of the West, and one or two question TFC, you weren't one of those, but uh, Greg Vanny and, and the troops, uh, as we saw in the game, couldn't have been more prepared. But let, let's be honest, and TFC has always been a whipping boy across the league. I think there's some jealousy about the fans, about the, the great support that the club gets, the fact they spend more money than anyone else. And I, I think they're just a convenient target. They played two teams. That's what in, happens it, when you're the best, Will. That's I, what happens. Exactly. But if we're going to actually you know, provide analysis of what the teams were like heading in. TFC played two very difficult teams, two teams that were in the top five in Major League Soccer over the course of the regular season. The New York Red Bulls wanted to scrap. The second half of the second game was played with 10 men apiece. Uh, and then TFC played without Altidore and Javinko in the first leg in Columbus. So for me, it was very difficult to read what they were actually going up against, considering the way that teams were playing them. The Seattle Sounders, yes, they were on good form, but they hadn't played anyone decent in a matter of two or three months. If you look yeah. back at their schedule, Terry, it was cream puff soft. And the fact well, I that... I would say cream puff soft, but, but who'd they play? had to go out and beat those teams. And I think against Vancouver in the playoffs, they played a team that was scared of coming up against Seattle, and it showed, and... Uh, the, the way the Houston tie played out, the, it, Seattle got an early goal and Houston chased the tie. Neither one of those teams, though, were any good. Like, If we're going to be brutally honest, and before that, they played Philadelphia and they played Colorado, two of the worst attacking teams in the league. Those are the last six games. TFC played the rival in Montreal. They played in Atlanta, New York, and Columbus. That's a difficult stretch coming home. So, And by the way, I, th I think that a lot of people conveniently forgot that TFC amassed 16 more points than the Seattle's on the and then the Sounders on the season and only lost two games in all competitions at home. So I, I'm not going to argue with you, but what sometimes what happens in, in, in soccer is uh, – Players just look, or, or sorry, people around the team and, 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 and the media just look at your last game. And, and, and I think one or two uh, just just looked at, at it a little bit too closely instead of the body of work, as you're describing. Uh, well put. It happens in all sports. So it, it's natural to go that way. I was told by individuals in and around the coaching staff that it was after Toronto FC found out they were playing the Seattle Sounders, the head coach, Greg Vanny, said to the coaching staff, we are going 4-4-2 midfield diamond. 
And people were looking at him saying, really? We're going to do this? Greg, for whatever reason, went with this formation, decided 10 days before the game was even played that he was going to play that way. Held his cards close to his vest, and his team flat out executed. Uh, What's your take on that decision that the head coach, the coach of the year made to go away from a system that they really haven't played much, if any, over the course of this year, went back to a system they played last year for the most important game of them all. I thought it was bold. And, and, and the three-five-two system on the back of that, they set a records points total in the league, obviously. Uh, but I think it worked obviously perfectly against Seattle. It allowed TFC to play in between the lines. It was quite interesting up top within that 4-4-2 diamond how Josie Altador and, and Javinko split and played quite a ways apart from one another, which split the two center halves, creating space for Vasquez at the point of the diamond. And it was quite a fluent diamond at times. You saw Delgado or Azorio pop in there. And, and when you play against a 4-4-2 system that's extremely flat, you want to expose that area in between the lines. And TFC did a great job of that. Also, you saw at times Javinko and Altador drop a little bit deeper. And it was quite clever how Azorio or Delgado went and occupied one of those center halves so they couldn't step up into that face. And in that first half, TFC really had Seattle pinned in their own half. At the same time, the Seattle Sounders went against the way that they played over over recent games. Knew who was taken out. Jovan Jones, who's done so well at that advanced position, put back at left back. And he and, and basically he was left chasing the game, Terry. You couldn't really take advantage of what Jones did well all season, you know, trying to shoehorn Victor Rodriguez in the 11. And I don't think that really worked out for Seattle at all. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. They tried to find a way to get Rodriguez into the team. And he'd been an excellent all season, been great through the playoffs. And to get him in the scene, in the team, he had to drop Jones back to left back and know who he was left out. But it also meant Ladero, he played out wide as well. And it looked like he was never comfortable playing out wide. It was like he spat his dummy out and, and he went missing a little bit. And TFC really exposed those sort of creative number 10 type players out wide down the flanks and really dominated Seattle Sounders in that middle third middle third of the pitch. As soon as the 11s were, were released, I was like, okay, because I I would have bet my mortgage that only one of Delgado or Rosario would have start, but started that game. But what it told me was that Toronto FC wasn't kind of learned from how the how last year's final played out and understood that they had to be much more attack minded from the get go. And all this talk about being the aggressor, they were actually set up to go play that way, which was big for me. Good point. And it allowed TFC to be a little bit more connected in the middle of the yes. park. I thought last year the team was stretched at times from goalkeeper to Javinko and Altador up top. TFC were a lot more compact. Michael Bradley had a little bit more protection from their two wide players that came inside. And when TFC did turn over the ball, there was Bradley or Rosario or whoever was on the ball had three or four options within 10 yards of them. I thought TFC were very well connected and were able to play through the lines beautifully. And it, and it pushed Vasquez a little bit more forward. I don't know. I just, I just, I just thought Vanny and his coaching staff got it spot on in terms of its design. Then it was up to the players to execute. This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. Gareth Wheeler, Terry Dunfield with you, recapping 
a magical December 9th day, the MLS Cup final and a 2 nothing win over the Seattle Sounders. Toronto FC just came in waves, Terry. You count the chances in the first half alone that Toronto FC had. The Drew Moore header. The, the brilliant ball that was three, played through by Vasquez to Javinko, just missing on the far post. The Azorio chance. There were a number of really, really great goal-scoring goal opportunities where Toronto FC could have been off to the races. The game could have been done and dusted within the first 45 minutes. Yes, TFC started out on the front foot. I, I think Seattle were a little bit shocked. They, they couldn't put together two or three passes. TFC did a great job after an attack, getting that ball back, repressing, and then it was another wave of attack. You talk about the Moore header. That's a great chance. It was great play from Vasquez to lead to the corner. He takes the corner, comes to Moore at the back post. He tries to go for goal, I think. And if he heads it back across, Altidore's got a tap in. The Azorio strike showed the confidence Azorio was in to take that first time on his left foot. And I think TFC, when they have their set attack and they're pinned in teams half, look for that option, that ball into Josie Altidore, utilize his strength. Great ball in from Bradley into Altidore, lays it off for Azorio, and it's a good save from Fry. He tips it around the corner. Uh, and probably the best chance of the half for me was when Bradley broke up play. He did that so many times, not only in the, in, in the final, but all the way through the playoffs. Gets the ball to Vasquez. Vasquez gets a little bit of luck, switches it in behind the back four, comes to Javinko, and he's coming in for, on the angle 1v1 against Fry. And, Fry's out quick, and Javinko's just not able to get underneath it enough. He, looking back at it, he should probably score. And again, yes. Fry makes another save, and you're thinking, oh, no, is it going to be Fry's night again? He had seven saves within the first, like, 41 minutes of the game. It was interesting how Altidore and Javinko split, and, and, and they almost played on the same line at times, but by splitting and playing maybe 20 yards apart, it, it, it split the two center halves, Torres and Marshall, who were so, so dominant last year and now all of a sudden there was a pocket of space for who was ever at the point of that diamond to operate and then if they were struggling to get on the ball you'd see Javinko or Altador drop into midfield but it was quite clever how Delgado, Osorio or Vasquez would then go occupy that center half so they couldn't step into that hole. Svensson and Roldan were chasing shadows in the middle of the park. No kidding. Uh, it was fitting that Lennox Lewis was in the house. I ended up like following him around most of the game because I no watched way. on the touchline. Oh, yeah, the, the champ was there because it seemed like one of those heavyweight bouts where the one boxer was just keep on delivering the shots and the other team or the other man was just playing the dummy, like the boxing dummy, and it was just a matter of time before he was going to go down. And it just felt like in the second half with Toronto FC attacking the south end that the ball was going to be sucked into the goal one way or the other. And you've played in parks like that, haven't you, Terry, where when you attack you know, your own fans and the noise and the energy and you already have a leg up on the opponent, that just somehow, some way, the ball's going to end up in the back of the net. 100%. I think, I think Lennox Lewis is good mates with Dwayne De Rosario. He is. Comment at the rubbish after party last year. Uh, <laughs> he's got a similar accent to me. He doesn't know whether he's Canadian or English. Uh, but, yeah, you, you felt like that, that goal was going to come eventually. And it's always, as a player, it's great playing towards your hardcore fans and playing towards that south end. There's a little bit of wind behind you. And, and the toughest thing in soccer for me, or one of the toughest things, is to go out and replicate 
that first half performance and really trust in that process and, and, and not feel sorry for yourself that that goal hasn't come. And TFC will be expended a lot of energy in that first half probing for that goal. Uh, it was three or four minutes into the second half. My boy, Stephen Betashore, he has <laughs> I, I, I Honestly, I can never remember him scoring a goal. I think he scored one over the course of his MLS career. Almost went top corner. Almost like right out of the gate. If Betashore had scored the game winner, man, I've been joking around with him all season about his goal celebration, what will happen. (laughs) And he told me post-match that he was going to go through everything we talked about. Just he would have gone absolutely crazy. But really, this was Michael Bradley's game at this point, wasn't it? Like there wasn't a loose ball or a 50-50 challenge that he didn't win. I thought him, Azorio, and Delgado, the combination between those three, simply bossed Ladero, Dempsey, Rodriguez. Like, they played these players completely off the field, Terry. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up that beta chance. And and if I'm Seattle and you've just been under the cost for 45 minutes and within, I think it was the 47th minute that chance comes, you're like, oh, here we go again because it was great build-up play. And let's talk about the goal because, I mean, the goal against Columbus, we spoke about it last week, uh, that sent them to the cup final. It was wonderful. Javinko back heel to Altidore, giving go with that. Like, it was such a beautiful goal. But this one's deserving of a cup winner as well. The way that Toronto FC tracked back like they did all game, I believe it was Betashire winning the ball. Uh, Seven different players nine touches, it was like slalom through the middle of the field, just carving Seattle wide open, and it was Altador a step better than Jones, a couple steps better than Roman Torres. Those two were in the heavyweight tilt all game long. I thought both were going to like get into a fist fight, and, <laughs> and it was just a goal scorer's finish from Josie Altador. He loves that left-hand side and the deftest of touches. Just a phenomenal goal well to described. break it over in the 67th minute, Terry, and the the, the fact that it was just no hesitation. Boom, 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 weaving in and out. I, I just thought it was absolutely spectacular. Yeah, it was, it was, it was class. And I, I think even Greg, what I picked out on the goal is, is I think Greg Van even deserves credit because it comes from that midfield diamond. And if, if you're playing with just one holder in, in Michael Bradley, Delgado's higher up the pitch. He's tracked back. He helps win that ball. All of a sudden, so TFC stopped the counter from Seattle, all of a sudden, like you said, it's some one-touch passing. It's Bradley to Morrow, Morrow to Vasquez, Vasquez to Javinko. All passes with purpose. So TFC now are recountering the counter. They slice Seattle apart. The ball from Javinko is right into the path of Eltador. I think Eltador's first touch is brilliant. At, at first, I thought maybe it's a touch heavy, uh, but by by that touch, he takes it away from from Jones. It's great athleticism from him as well to run away from Jones, probably one of the quickest players in the league. And by taking that touch across the pitch, it opened up the goal nicely. And as Fry's coming out, I think the word you described it with, deft, it, it, it's such a tough finish at full tilt with your left foot to just dink it over top of Fry. And I think that the coaching staff for Toronto FC got their substitution spot on. Uh, I, there, there was a moment I was like, do you take anyone off? Because everyone was playing so well, but you want to bring on fresh legs. And then in Toronto FC's case, Agreed. change the system just to close out, close up shop. So they brought on Cooper for Osorio. That could be Jonathan Osorio's best game ever in a Toronto FC uniform, Terry. Could be. A hundred percent it was. And he, he was, he was different gravy in so many facets to the game. He, he, he defensively, tactically, he was spot on. 
his movement, how he played in between the lines. I don't think he gave the ball away. Every time he got it, he was a threat. He was probing, looking to play forward, linked play up. Uh, I, I thought he got his decision-making was right what, what, when to run with it or when to, to, to lay that ball off and move that ball quickly. And then Nikki Haglin was brought on for John, Jonathan Nazorio. Play your first game, best game ever, too. Right? No, no kidding. Uh, and <laughs> I'm so happy for him. I mean, when that first Toronto FC, when, when Altidore scored, it was Azorio. Yeah, like, just quickly, to go back to Azorio, too. And you know what? A lot of players with, with less character and resilience, with the fact that he wasn't playing a whole bunch this year on the back of a very good season last year a good run in the playoffs might have said you know what I, I could be playing in a different starting 11 I'm going to look for a trade but credit to Zorio he kept his head down uh, when his opportunities came his way in the last three four months he took them he was excellent when he played for Canada he was ready for the final well that was his turning and point Terry like on, honestly that like and, and you can speak to this sometimes when you go off you can build confidence with the national team and bring it back to club football and that's exactly what Azorio did yeah, and I agree that that's one of the key points. I think he started to buy into exactly what Greg Vanny wanted. And his because the team was doing so well, his chances were far and few between. But when they did come, even if it was in 20 minutes, even when it was 15 minutes, he, we just we talked about it all year on our pod. He, he, he did himself justice. He, was, he turned into that first sub, and he was just building up momentum. So... Was that that performance in the final a surprise to us? Probably not, but but credit to him for 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 sticking with it. And uh, sometimes you don't always get what you deserve, but he did in this case. Then for me, the the, the ultimate sign of respect by the coaching staff came in time added on with Ben Ross Sheru coming in from Marky Delgado. Like just I love it. The the awareness that. This could be Sheru, an absolute consummate professional, one of the most popular individuals at the clubs, at the club. Not only players, Terry, that the coaching staff understood what the moment was about and bringing on Sheru at that time. I thought it was absolute class. And, and, and not only sheer class, but he, he gives you that experience and, and you know he's not going to lose you that ball. And, and, and that sometimes helps you get over the line. And I think that's a big difference of and shows where the club have come from one era to another. What about TFC not giving Stefan Fry his final appearance? He's stuck on 99 appearances. And, and TFC recognized to do the right things that Sheru, he's not come out and said he's going to retire as yet. But, you know, he they, they treat him with the class that he deserves and, and, and gets him on. And the final goal coming, 90th plus four, TFC out on the break. Armando Cooper is just so good on the ball. I love that. Armando! Armando. (laughs) Uh, On the break, misses a wide-open net off the post. Victor Vasquez there, fitting that he gets the goal to seal the cup victory. Yeah, again, uh, it actually comes from Victor Vasquez's high press. Yes. A lot of teams, when you're 1-0 up, will sit back and just try to see the storm out with, with a tin helmet on and defend for their lives, but... Vasquez recognizes the cues and at the right time to press the right players on it. It might have been Anohu who had just come on. He presses him, turns turns the ball over. He makes a mistake. Eventually it comes to Javinko. It looks like the counter's gone, but, and Cooper angles his run. It's, it's a great run from him. He should probably score, and Vasquez 
doesn't know a whole bunch about it, bounces off him into the back of the net. And sometimes in this universe, things happen for a reason. And I think that goal is, as you said, is fitting for the body of work he's had all season and the fact that he's just an awesome guy. Yes. Uh, (laughs) His celebration was very Wheeler-esque. I scored a big goal in my youth days where I took off my, I took off my Jersey and had the number up and I threw it on the ground and my entire team jumped on my Jersey as I stood there like a boss over top. But now Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo have taken it to another level. And he said post-match that, yeah, Lionel Messi did it. So he kind of said, why not? Taking off the jersey, holding it up with his number and his name shown, you know, to the world. I love that celebration so much, Terry. I was about 15 feet away. It was glorious. Michael Bradley saying it afterwards that he's so bleeping proud. I mean, it was just like the perfect quote quote, because you can tell the pride that he has in the city and its supporters in this team and how it all came together was simply Went to the parade amazing. as well. Brilliant. Oh, you were there. I missed it, unfortunately, because I was in Calgary. What was that like? Honestly, Terry, like this, this team, you know, the guys, they're, they're very understated. Like they, yeah. there's never they don't go on those those high of highs or those low of lows. They don't party that much. They just don't. They don't have time. They're working so hard, and they let loose. Like, I've never <laughs> seen Altador's these guys like this. Again? What was Altidore's at the parade? Oh, going into the laboratory and blah, blah, blah. Like, listen. I've not been to bed for three days. <laughs> no, I, you probably didn't sleep for a week. Azorio looked like he hadn't slept for a month. Um, but, but I'll, I'll say this. It was well-deserved. It was special moments. The one thing about the parade, like seeing Toronto line the streets to celebrate this team, it was special. It was awesome being in Nathan Phillips square. My one issue, and I do only have one issue is that I would have loved to have heard from more of the team, more players at city hall. Like, you only heard from Bradley and you only heard from Altador after he grabbed the mic after the fact. But I want to hear from all the players, right? Um, th- that's my only complaint. And I love that. But my favorite part was how Ashton Morgan got on the drum and he led the kind of chant because he's a. Yeah. Because he's a local guy, grew up, has played over 100 games for Toronto FC. And he, players like him matter so much to this group. So I love seeing that. Love it, love it. And it was kind of funny. Uh, in the week on the EPL show, KJ, who was helping uh, host the event and had the mic afterwards, I think it was uh, maybe Ricketts and Raheem Edwards uh, come up to him once the party was starting to disperse, the parade was over, and they sort of said to KJ, well, what do we do next? And uh, they actually, KJ said, I can call you a cab if you want, mate. So it was the players wanted more and more and more. Oh, they, well, they went back to the Air Canada Centre and had a party. Oh, did they? And, but I live vicariously through other people. Like, the one thing that I've noticed, too, if you win a championship, a lot of people show up that maybe haven't been there all that often over the course of 11 years or even this past year. It's it's yeah, kind of funny yeah. how that happens. A party brings out... in. Uh, people that love to ride coattails. Let's put it that way. I don't blame you know them. What? I don't. I don't mind that. Soccer's still a growing sport in Canada, and and hopefully, not to go all nostalgic, one or two young boys or girls pick up a soccer ball and say, you know what, I want to be Michael Bradley. I want to try that trick Juvinko did. And hopefully next year, there's, there's talk of BMO expanding. There's, there's going to be even more support. And I hear season tickets are going through the roof. So uh, embrace it. 
it, there was a moment, I, I think it was one of the last people to leave BMO Field. Um, it took me a while to get all my work done that night, and I just was hanging out with the grounds crew. Uh, grounds crew. Um, Those guys are rock stars. They are the way. best. We were doing Dunkaroos, having a couple beers. It was, it was brilliant. But it was <laughs> just like Dunkaroo? me and them in the stadium and just Wheel, looked at the aftermath. Uh, you basically dunk your head in an ice bucket for as long as you can. Like, literally, as long as you can. And then when you bring you out, you got a shotgun of beer. Oh, and so, like, I, they were like, yeah, just go for 20 seconds. I was, like, upwards of a minute. I was giving it. I was like, yeah, this is easy. No problem. My head's cold. But as soon as you try to start to do that to shotgun of beer, that takes you to a whole other level. I was like, oh, my God, I can't stand. Anyways, it was brilliant partying with the guys. But it was just kind of me and them just looking at the field and the aftermath is quite moment. special. Just taking in the moment. Yeah. That's what I think it's. Um, th- those are the moments that you, you kind of live for. And the year that I had Terry, <laughs> at times just with my health hey, stuff. Easy. Easy, yeah. Brother. Those are the years I played. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. But this has been a difficult <laughs> for me for year for me personally. And, um, I agree. and be able to take it all in. It, it just, it, it makes it that much more special. I hope, I hope you don't edit that. Well, it probably will have to be edited, but that's okay. <laughs> we, we can handle that. We are officially in off-season mode. This is Come On You Reds. Gareth Wheeler with you. So jogging pants on for Terry Dunfield as well. <laughs> we got to sit back and take some time off, Terry, but not for the front office, not for Toronto FC. Literally the Tuesday after the win, it was the expansion draft, and Toronto FC lost a very important player in Raheem Edwards, drafted by Los Angeles, but then traded away uh, to the Montreal Impact. What? First of all, I, I don't like how, because the season ended so late, that you're forced into these difficult decisions for a player that's just taken in the moment right away, but that's the business of the sport. And, and then for a very young player, 22 years of age, uh, a player now leaving his hometown club. Yeah, it's a tough one. And and with how deep TFC were and the success they had, there was a high probability in the expansion draft with LAFC coming into the league that they were going to lose a player. There was a rumor of a, a trade for, uh, shall I say, a big player at TFC that didn't go through. They had an opportunity. Uh, I, I don't think that this would have been, been thrown upon them. I think it's thrown upon the player. Uh, but TFC would have prepared for... Uh, for the for the expansion draft and, and as best they could protecting players, uh, but it, it, it's never nice. And I, and I don't think it's part of, of of football or soccer in the sport. I think this is just uh, where MLS is at right now. And sure. and uh, when you sign up for this league, I, I went through a trade from my hometown Vancouver to TFC, and it was one of the best things that could have happened for me at the time. I wasn't thinking it. Uh, you you just need to get on with it. I spoke to Raheem. Once a trade happened, he didn't want to go, uh, but he gets it. And, uh, you know, this is this is part of a business. TFC won't want to have lost him. Uh, but I just think that the way TFC play, possibly next year moving to that diamond or 3-5-2, isn't really Raheem Edwards' best position that uh, he doesn't fit into. It. And credit to him. That's it. He adapted to that sort of wing-back role. I Sorry, Terry, that. That, 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 that was my comment right after. It's like, yeah, young Canadian player, I, I get why you want to keep him, but if TFC does change their system, like, where does he play? Yeah, I, I I'm not. Think, I'm not sure. I still think he, he finds a way to get into the system and play, and there'll be games where they need are chasing the game and need to change things and maybe go to a wide player like they did in Columbus. 
when, when he came on and changed the game and set up a couple of Ricketts goals. But, uh, you know, bigger picture for him, it, it could be good. I, I think his best his best way to get the best out of him is in a, in a front, three, front three. We're not too sure how Montreal going to play. They've got a new manager in. But for Canadian soccer, uh, hopefully he gets some more minutes in Montreal and, and can make an impression on the Canadian men's national team. Here, here. Um, good news is Drew Moore is staying, was a free agent. That contract came together relatively quickly. I thought Moore was a top three performer for Toronto FC over the course of the playoffs, and it's good to have him back for another year plus an option. Big time. It's a, it's a huge signing. I don't think it would have been cheap. Uh, it gives you continuity at the back. I, I think he's been uh, a little bit of an unsung hero. He's been definitely a leader of that back line. He's won two MLS Cups now. I think this year as well, we, we knew he could play that sweeper role in a back three. I think at the back half of the season, he's shown that he can play in a back four. That's no longer a question mark. And he's just a model professional. He's, he's had a, he, yes, he's sort of past 30, but he's never really had a bad injury. He's settled in Toronto. And probably one of the biggest attributes that he doesn't get credit for is as a young player, I remember being 16, 17, coming through the academy. Uh, over in Manchester and how you learn the, the the finite, some of the details of the game is, is joining in and playing with the first team and how he's sort of mentored Zavaleta and turned them into better players. I, I think that that's very important. So say for a young Canadian inter- youth international, Julian Dunn, who stepped into the USL, there's no better player to learn off of than, than a Drew Moore. Yeah, no kidding. Um, roster decisions have come Fast and furious. The other two free agents, Jason Hernandez and Steven Betashore. I'd like to see both players back. I, I'm not I'm not sure if it's possible though, Terry. What's your read on that? Uh agreed. I, I think Hernandez, whenever he's stepped in, he he's been uh different gravy. He he's not skipped the beat. Uh the, the other thing that Hernandez, I watch him train each and every day. He so incredibly hard. He, yeah, he brings a real competitiveness to training, and, and that's important. He keeps standards high. If somebody's not at it, he's got enough experience and, and weight in the changing room to be able to say something. So I'd like to see him come back, and I think it's just about finding the right number. Beta Shorty, he's one of the more expensive, and, and I hate players talked about with their salaries. It's completely different to how, how things work in Europe, but it's part of the game. And uh, he's, I, I still think he's a good age. He's around 30. Uh, I, I, he's a player you won't want to lose, um, and it's difficult bringing in a, a new piece as well. Getting, I know you've got Hassler, but uh, I, I think TFC will, will try their best to bring him back. I would hate to well. see Betashore go. Um, the year that he went, the training ground oh. as well too. He, he he's really even keeled. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. Just just a real good professional. Yeah. That really knows the league. He is the best. And he, he's your mate as well. Isn't he, he suffered a lacerated pancreas <laughs> on the a career a life threatening injury. And to go on and play the way that he did, it's just it's an incredible story. And he's just a proper fit for this team. And if you want to go on and compete for the CONCACAF Champions League, you need players like that. I think you opinion. need I think you need and it's difficult with in a salary cap league, but to have two good two players in each position. That's what you need, but that's what TFC had this year. They're close to it, yeah. I, I, they were pretty, pretty close. Um, other decisions as close as you can be with a cap league. I no think. kidding. 
Um, I'm interested to see what happens with Clint Irwin. He's on the team as of right now. I know that the club wants to keep him and have those two top goalkeepers, but does Irwin want to move on? I mean, I haven't been told anything either way. I think that's going to be up to the goalkeeper. Does he want to stay and be a part of this special group in Toronto, or does he want the opportunity to start somewhere else? I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, he's just moved into his home in Leslieville last year. He settled. Uh, I, I mean... If the, there's the right fit elsewhere to go in as a number one, uh, I think it'd be difficult for him to turn that down. I think he's got a ton of value, so if he is to move on, TFC should be able to get a good piece for him, but I'd like to see him stay. Uh, Armando Cooper's the other name uh, that TFC's hopeful to bring back. Do you bring him back on a reduced number, Terry? Like, what, what, are, you, what are you looking at if you're TFC? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I think maybe a reduced number. Uh, it's difficult for players to swallow that. Uh, for him, he, he, he's got to be thinking as well. He's got the World Cup coming up that he, that he wants to be playing regularly leading into that to, to, to show his best. So it's, uh, I think both sides kind of have wants and needs to be checked and, Hopefully, both both can find a middle ground. I'm guessing Shea Roo's going to move on. Some of the other young players, uh, they'll move on as well. And there will be other players, maybe perhaps a Ben Spencer, Subasa Endo. They might come back and be part of the periphery of this group as well. So just because your contract wasn't picked up by the club doesn't mean that you won't be there come preseason. There's a lot of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge type deals. Cooper's an interesting one for me. And I'll just say this. Using the TAM that's available in Toronto FC will have significant dollars, as will every MLS team, to improve, bring in another, for the lack of a better term, Victor Vasquez-type player. If you can upgrade in the central midfield, I think that'll be in an area where Toronto FC will look to improve because it's the most important area of the pitch. And I'm curious to see what is in Jonathan Osorio's future. I asked him on Locker Cleanout Day, you know, do you want to go off and give Europe a try? And he acknowledged that he, that you know, he's always wanted to do that. Is this now the time, kind of coming off what is an absolute high for a local player, to go on and try something else? So if, if Osorio or a player of his ilk does end up moving on, trying something else, then maybe that opens the door for a player like Cooper to come back, plus a TAM player to come into that position. Agreed. I think, I think you summed it up perfectly. Uh, the club uh, won't want to have a player here that doesn't want to be here, but how, how can you not be happy at TFC right now? And there'll be a lot of players, January windows coming uh, up at the, that are available uh, and, and um, you know, TFC will always be looking to, to, to sort of upgrade if possible. But, but one thing about this regime under Bill Manning, Bez, and Greg Vanity, Greg Vanny, sorry, is that continuity and, and trusting in your players and, and building within and with, with, with what they have. And I spoke about it on the broadcast. If you look at the core ages, uh, sort of the ages of the core group of players, they're excellent. This team could be together for the next three, four years. I do like how Vanny's taking the team to California and Mexico for the first time this offseason as well. I think it's good preparation for hopefully a lengthy CONCACAF Champions League run. I, I, I just think it's an astute just tweak to the preseason schedule that can pay dividends long term. Yeah, I, I think it's a good one. The fact that they're going to Mexico uh, will suit 
the fact that they they drew the Colorado Rapids in the CONCACAF Champions League. So they're going to go there, play at altitude. So I think Mexico will be good for that. Uh, the fact that TFC are going to California again. Uh, I don't play Greg and his coaching staff there from California. I'd, I'd be taking the team to Vancouver. Um, but yeah, I, I think the draw against the Rapids is a good one. The Rapids are all over the place a bit. They've just brought in Anthony Hudson. Howard's not having a great season. Allen's son. Did you see that? Yeah, Allen Hudson's son. Uh, I, I actually remember Anthony Hudson from when he managed Newport at, at just 30 years old. Welsh club, went to Belrain, did really well with New Zealand, had a solid Confed Cup, uh, couldn't quite get to the show, the World Cup, threw in New Zealand nil-nil with Peru and then lost in Lima 2-0. But it's going to take time for him to build Colorado into a respectable team again. That's why this is a good draw for me. It's going to be cold. Bring your long johns and Canada goose out with you. But man, oh man, uh, you don't get that warm trip to the Dominican or Mexico, right? Or or we wouldn't have played in Mexico, but El Salvador or wherever out of the gate. You're going to have a cold weather game, but that's okay. It sets up well in terms of the competition for me. Yeah, the, the, the squad's all over the place. I, I like Harrison there. Uh, I, I think he's a player that might be a good fit at, at TFC. I've always liked him. But, yeah, the squad's all over the gaff. New manager implementing his ideas. You, you actually play the CONCACAF Champions League before the MLS season even starts. So uh, I, I think it's a, it's a, a very good draw. Uh, I cannot wait for it to play out. I like me this too. format better. And right out of the get-go, you know, for Toronto FC, it's going to be much like playoff football that they just experienced with these home-and-away ties. So Hopefully we can get past Colorado and then uh, touching wood saying that if they send us down, we can do a pod from Mexico. A nice trip from Monterey, Mexico. Uh, Sign me up for that. How did you make Monterey sound nice? I don't know. (laughs) And then Club America, potentially in Mexico City. Woo! Club America, that's playing at Big Azteca. No kidding. So we'll see. I mean, I I don't. The draw doesn't bother me. It's tough. It's going to be tough no matter what the way the new format works out. So bring it on, bring Time it on. High five now. Time for well, okay. We're going to do that in the bonus section. But for anyone that's listening on the radio, Terry, wish them a happy holidays because this happy has been holidays. great. Be safe. Enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy your time with your family, uh, and we will be speaking to you in the new year it's been a pleasure bringing this to you all season long we'll continue to do so on tsn radio go to torontofc.ca itunes wherever you get this podcast to listen to our bonus segment is this special christmas edition of high five and that's coming up next on behalf of terry dunfield and everyone at toronto fc if you're listening on the radio this has been come on your reds if you're listening some other way stay tuned high five is coming up next